I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 267. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. A while back, my listener, Crystal Ann, recommended Anything by Sarah Reeves, and I pulled her up on Spotify and fell in love. And in fact, the top Christian playlist curated by Spotify, her song is on there, uh, Just Want You. It's featured and has become a song I find myself waking up to in my head. This is a beautiful song that has become a heart song of mine. It's the opening lines, however, that led me to study in the area of scripture that I chose this week. And the opening lines say, take the lead of every step I make, even if you tell my feet to wait, because where you are is where I want to be. And there's this young woman written about in the Old Testament that basically said this, just not to God to her mother-in-law of all people. Her name is Ruth, and that is where we are headed this week. Now, I had a few hours to kill in the airport this week as my family and I traveled for Easter break. The airport time stretched out as our flight kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed, so it gave me more time to explore scripture and use some of the bites that I haven't used in a while. Now, bites are short for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. These are just regular habits that I use to keep my time in God's Word varied. I truly just share with you what I do to study for the week. If you copy what I do, you may come to some of the same conclusions or maybe even some more of your own. That's really what I'm hoping for, that God will just use these as tools to get you into his word where he can speak to you directly. Now, I hope you'll use the bites that I use this week to study wherever God has you in your own scripture reading. If you don't know where to start, go ahead and start here. Start with Ruth. Use, you know, do exactly what I'm talking about this week or Perhaps you could start with the scripture that your pastor used on Sunday or take the verse at the top of your daily devotional and read the entire chapter or even the entire book of where that verse is found. There's just so many different ways to get started and there's so much to explore. Now, the book of Ruth is only four chapters and it's a really good story and really easy to read. So my first challenge to you is read the entire book. Now, this could fall under the bite of 
read and keep on reading or context. Often when I encourage you to read in context, I encourage you to read the chapter before your feature section, the chapter your feature of section or verses in, and the chapter after. So if you're reading in Ruth, that pretty much sums up the entire book. So uh, the bite of read and keep on reading helps you stay in the story. Uh, This bite is especially helpful in the Old Testament books that are often written in story form. And so when you do this, when you read and keep on reading, when you read Ruth in its entirety, you realize that it is written uh, much after the story actually happens. Uh, And it's written with a very specific end game in mind. Now, to tell the story of some of the relatives of David, God's providence plays the long game, and this story confirms that. It looks at a kinsman redeemer in the life of Boaz and foreshadows our ultimate kinsman redeemer in the life of Jesus. And so you, I discover that by reading all the way through the book of Ruth, and at the very end, there's a genealogy at the end that says, oh, by the way, this is how... Uh, this story fits into the genealogy that leads to King David. And then just in case you think God's providence only played the long game up and through the life of Jesus, think again. I mean, that's just the kind of God we serve. That is his character. This was on display this week. Um, I went on a wonderful faith-based tour in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which was in the area where we stayed. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a tour out of the Jenny Museum, J-E-N-N-E-Y. Tell them I sent you. But anyway, we learned of the story of John Howland, and he came over on the Mayflower as an indentured servant of Governor John Carver. Howland falls overboard, uh, falls off the Mayflower during a storm, and he was almost lost at sea. But through God's provision, he managed to grab hold of the rope, um, topsail halyards, I think is what they're called, but giving the crew enough time to rescue him with a boat hook. So not only did Howland survive that, but he survived the the first days of these first pilgrims, the illness, the starvation, the struggles, there there were many. And so then you you can kind of say, okay, great story, but how, what does that have to do with God's providence? Well, Let's just ask a few of his descendants, like Mrs. Theodore Roosevelt or the or Presidents George and George W. Bush. It's so you can those kinds of stories and this kind of story and Ruth just kind of gives me a sense of awe that, uh, of course, God is God. He can see the beginning from the end and all of these things. And but he he his providence does play the long game. And like our song sings about, I don't want it if God's not in it. But you would definitely be surprised what God is in. So back what led me to look at Ruth to begin with. When the song says, take the lead of every step I make, even if you tell my feet to wait, because where you are is where I want to be. It made me think of an exchange that Ruth had with her mother-in-law. Now, when you read the book of Ruth, you discover that Ruth is a Moabite woman, that she was married to a Hebrew that lived in Moab because his family left Israel during a drought. And when the father of the family dies, and 10 years later, both of his sons had died, Naomi, uh, the matriarch of the family, decides to return to her homeland, to Bethlehem. Both of her widowed daughters-in-law begin the journey with her, which I find profound. Naomi must have been a very special lady. I love my mother-in-law, but I'm not sure I'm going to leave my, you know, my homeland to go to a strange land where where there's a completely different culture. But 
With the persistent prodding of of Naomi, one of the daughters-in-law returns home, but not Ruth. Here's what she said, starting in verse 16. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. I just love that part of the story. This is a level of devotion rarely seen ever anywhere. And it's between a woman and a mother-in-law. And my question that I asked myself as I began, as I read it, is do I have that kind of devotion? Do I have that kind of devotion to my Savior? Wherever you go, Jesus, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your father, my father. I mean, have you ever read the New Testament? Sometimes Jesus goes places I don't want to go, especially the painful ones. Jesus abides with the Father, but sometimes his people are not the people I would pick. So, As I read through the book of Ruth in the airport several times, I allowed myself then to begin to explore and to click around a little bit. Now, this exploration doesn't necessarily always result in direct application points. So I just kind of went to a a place where I was considering how that the characteristics of Ruth, how it impacts the way I think about my devotion to my Savior. That's jumping all the way from observing what the what the words of the scripture say, all the way to applying it to my life. And I think we tend to do that really quickly. So the next few things I'm going to explain to you, some of the bites, the Bible interaction tool exercises that I used, really has less to do with application and more to do with just understanding the historical um, background and just giving me a greater, it's just studying. It's just studying the Bible. So I use the bite of consulting a map. And when you look up Ruth chapter one on biblehub.com, over to the left, there is a Moab and region map. And it takes you to an encyclopedia entry about Moab. Bible Hub is not the only resource on things like this. I just like it. Some of my listeners have written and said, I, I really, I talked to a friend who's like, I just really don't like that site. So it's totally okay. You use your favorite site. Um, but you learn that, it, that Moab was located to the west of the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea separated it and Judah just south of where the tribe of Reuben settled. And so if you consider where the first 12 tribes settled when they came to the promised land. You can kind of understand that. Uh, sometimes I like to go to Google Earth and discover where what might be in that area now. So I saw a few scenic viewpoints on Google Earth, and one of them was a statue of Lot's wife. Hmm. So I used another bite and followed some cross-references in Ruth and discovered in Genesis chapter 19 is where Moab began. He was the offspring of Lot and one of his daughters after God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And that, that story where Lot's wife turns into salt. If, if you've never read that one, it's okay. Go take the journey over to Genesis chapter 19. That whole story is quite fascinating. But that is where that's when, where Moab began. <clears throat> and then in the beginning lines of the book of Ruth, it says that the story occurs in the time when the judges ruled Israel. So if one more study rabbit trail that you could follow is to discover the history of Moab during the time of the judges. One of the first ones that comes to mind 
was in Judges chapter 3. In verse 12, it says, Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. So this is not the only place that Moab is mentioned in Judges, but it's one of them. And you could go read that story to see um, how they were redeemed from the rule of Eglon of Moab. It's actually one of my favorite Old Testament stories. I didn't even realize it was in there. I had been a Christian my entire life, had gone to... It's just not one of those flannel graph stories um, that you see in Sunday school, but uh, it's quite interesting how uh, the guy delivers... Uh, Israel from King uh, Eglon's rule. I highly encourage you to go read it for yourself. It's just a teaser. All right. Now, there are more references to Moab in the book of Judges. You could look those up and get a full picture of the relationship between Israel and Moab in the time when the judges ruled. And of course, we're not sure when in the history of the judges this happened, but we know ultimately that it's probably a pretty difficult transition for Naomi and her family. Okay. So they are in a foreign land. And then now she is returning. So after spending all this time in Ruth and geeking out over the region and the history and chasing down a few rabbit trails, here are a few big ideas that rose to the surface for me. The First of all, the loyalty and devotion and trust in Naomi that Ruth had was profound. I already talked about it, but Ruth wouldn't leave Naomi. And, but it didn't stop there. She just completely trusted her. Every instruction that Naomi gave Ruth, she obeyed with a pure, humble heart. Her heritage did not matter when her integrity shone brighter than any family background, ethnic or otherwise. This is how Boaz describes her early on in the story. In verse 11, uh, I think it's chapter 2, Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. What an amazing uh, just description of Ruth. Her humble and quiet spirit is a shining example of to me. The next thing that jumped out at me was God's providence, as I kind of alluded to earlier about this idea, this long game. In chapter two, it says there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. As it happened, it just so happened that Ruth ended up in Boaz's field. (laughs) Make no mistake, this was not happenstance. All right, and then finally, we can't leave the book of Ruth without just considering and seeing how it points to Jesus. You see, Boaz is described as a kinsman redeemer. And a kinsman redeemer is a male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, in danger, 
or in need. And uh, this is this is exactly what Ruth and Naomi were because they had no men to provide for them. They were completely destitute. I mean, the, they were going to eat the grain that she gathered uh, behind those harvesters in the field that she just so happened to land in. But the Hebrew term goel for kinsman redeemer designates one who delivers or rescues or redeems property or person. And when people acted as kinsmen redeemers for their family, they were an example of the work of God to the destitute and the helpless. You see, God is a redeemer. He buys us back from slavery. He did it for the Hebrews when he rescued them from Egypt. He continued that redeeming work all throughout the Old Testament. And the redemption by, by Boaz was a picture of what God had, done, had already done and would continue to do for Israel. By acting as a redeemer for the family of Elimelech, Boaz is a type of Christ, for he offered us ultimate redemption through the cross. Okay? Jesus came to the spiritually destitute, those of us who are enslaved to sin and in helpless estate. Then at an incredible cost to himself, he redeemed sinners, just like you and just like me. He came to set the captive free. Jesus was not the first redeemer from Bethlehem and Judah, but he was the greatest. So what's next? I want you to read the book of Ruth in its entirety. Read and keep on reading. Consult a map of the area to understand where Moab is in relation to Bethlehem. Follow the cross-references to Genesis chapter 19 to discover where Moab even began. Research where Moab is described in the book of Judges as this is the time when this story took place. Finally, as you use our song to worship, consider the devotion that Ruth showed her mother-in-law and ask yourself, do I have that kind of loyal, humble, trusting devotion to my Savior? And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public Facebook page is michellekneezat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Kathy from Nebraska, Bonnie from Florida, Maggie from California, Angelica from Indiana, Stacy from Mississippi, Jay from Ontario, Canada, Wanda from Wyoming, Marie from the UK, Mary from Texas, Glenda from the UK, Christina from Illinois, Chris from Minnesota, Kara from Florida, Sheila from Portugal, and Lori from Nebraska. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites I've used on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. You can even print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We are also on Joy 103.1 every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song God Only Knows by For King and Country. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 269. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.